What it do, baby? Ooh, my voice cracked a little bit there, but you know what it is. It's your boy, Big Zoo, over here, and it's time to Jets podcast. And ooh, ah, that was a that was a tough game to watch. That was a tough game to get into, and I want you to let me know what you thought about the performance out there. What you think? What you think the future of this season holds for this team right now? For this coaching staff, hit me up on the Twitter machine at Zubeard77. Let me know all your thoughts. Vent to me a little bit. I mean, I'm going to vent to you guys for a little bit right here. So feel free to hit me up on there. Also, wherever you guys are listening to us right now, to me right now, to the podcast, please hook it up with a subscribe, with a five-star rating because... We always appreciate a good five-star rating. Nothing like it. So, without further ado, I want to dive right into this game. And I don't want to hold very much back. I mean, every single week, it feels like it's something different with this team now. And I know we're only three weeks in. There's a long way to go before we can really tell trends and what a team truly is. But this... If there's one thing the Jets have, it's inconsistency. And from the O-line to receivers to the quarterback to the play calling, offensively, this team doesn't know what the heck they are doing, what the heck they want to do. I mean, I don't want to question the level of effort, but I definitely want to question the level of preparation. And, I mean, you do kind of have to question... What the heck is going on? What are these coaches seeing in some of these dudes right now that they're getting burned out there while you got guys sitting on, you know, inactive lists who could possibly be making differences for this team? I mean, I don't want to get into Denzel Mims too much because he didn't play today. He was inactive once again. But what are you doing? What are we doing here with him? Like, you guys aren't fielding any trade calls. You're not going to have him active for this game. You see what this receiving core did out there today. I mean, this is today. What these receivers did out there today was absolutely, it was sad. I mean, the amount of balls that got tipped off of two hands, not just like one hand. Okay. He kind of got to it. It would have been a crazy catch. These are balls that guys are running routes and if they catch them they're going to get another solid 5 yards possibly or at least they're going to be getting first downs moving the chains keeping the ball moving and they're just dropping balls. Corey Davis had two terrible drops in this game. Two just awful abysmal drops. Almost as bad as the one that he, you know, let go right through his hands for a pick last week. Almost as bad as that. Not as bad because Obviously, that was that was just sad and a joke to watch. But these were just these were just the type of plays where you look at a guy and you go, "Are you seriously going to be a number one receiver? Are you seriously a guy that we can trust that Zach Wilson can trust to go to in situations where he needs to get a completion?" And Corey Davis, after week one, he hasn't shown anything that would make you think that. I mean, today. He had five catches, 41 yards, not a not an abysmal game, especially considering what the offense did as a whole, but he got targeted 10 times. 
And how many balls hit off of both of his hands? How many balls were close enough where, he, you know, maybe he could have made a play on it? it you got to start to question some of these things. And I was I was throwing roses at Corey Davis's feet after week one. I thought, okay, this guy showed that he's able to do this, especially against a pretty solid Carolina defense. And we're seeing that Carolina's defense is pretty damn good. But ever since that fourth quarter versus the Panthers, this offense for the Jets, they don't they don't know what they're doing. And Corey Davis is I mean, he's definitely partly to blame for this. The guy can't make anything happen. He has to be the playmaker. He has to be the guy, the go-to guy right now in a wide receiver core of a bunch of dudes who I mean, I don't want to I don't want to say there's nobody special, but there's it's it's a bunch of dudes right now. There's a bunch of guys who, I mean, honestly, are unproven in this league. And Keelan Cole, who barely even gets targeted or looked at with the ball. So you're Corey Davis. You have to step up. And when the ball is thrown to you, you have to catch it. You have to make plays. As a captain on this team, as a guy making the money that you're making, you need to be doing more. And right now, it. It's affecting the quarterback, and it's affecting the offense. And when the offense is playing the way that they did today, getting shut out. I mean, last week was last week was disgraceful. This week was just plain out awful to watch. It was just awful football to watch. And, I mean, I've been ragging on Corey Davis, but I also got to point out these running backs and – can we get them catching some passes in practice? I mean, seriously, Ty Johnson had a ball just drop off of his hands that would have prolonged a drive, would have got the Jets a first down, kept the chains moving into the Denver territory. Instead, he drops it. That's it. I mean, Michael Carter, same thing. You need to work on your hands, man. Like, balls hitting you guys in the hands. You need to come down with them. You need to catch it, especially if you have a little bit of open room in front of you. You can't just be looking at that open room going, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to take off right now. You need to make sure you're catching that ball and then you're going. It's it's not good. It's not good to see your running backs having as much trouble catching a ball as the Jets did today, and especially when they're not producing on the ground either, and I mean that's not fully their fault. And we'll get into the offensive line in a second. But you absolutely need to have running backs that are able to catch if you're going to run five five receiver sets, empty backfields on fourth downs, and you're going to go and have running backs running slants across the field. You can't have guys who are questionable or iffy when you're throwing them to pass. And nothing has shown me that either Michael Carter or Ty Johnson is able to do that right now. So you need to start to reconsider what you're doing with play calling in terms of empty backfield sets because I'm not sure how good those guys are running routes and catching the ball out of those routes, at least not right now. You need to get them working on it in practice. I I mean, starting tomorrow. Uh, I mean, obviously you're not going to be out there tomorrow, but... You need to have those guys studying and just doing whatever they can, man. Just catching passes all day. Because 
That was abysmal. That that wasn't good either. Losing drives because of dropped first downs. <laughs> it's a key element to losing. And especially getting shut out the way the Jets did today. And the creme de la creme of all of these great drops by the Jets and all of these beautiful just, you know, ah, my God, missed opportunities was Zach Wilson at the end of the game running around, making, you know, diving away from defenders, pass rushers, making some things happen, and then chucks the ball out to hit a Braxton Berrios wide open, coursing across the middle of the field, and Braxton Berrios tips the ball up for Caden Stearns to come up and pick it and take it back 30 yards, end of the game right there. Not that it mattered, not that the Jets were coming back, but that was it. Braxton Berrios decided to run the tip drill with Caden Stearns in that situation. And Denver ends up getting their second interception on the game on Wilson and sealing the deal. And I mean, there's no, there was no more fitting way for the game to end than for a wide receiver to tip the ball over to a defender for a pick after Zach Wilson was running away from countless amounts of pressure from the defensive line that's coming straight up the middle at him. And that was all day from this Denver defense against this Jets offensive line. And I got to tell you something, the interior of this offensive line, I mean, the X, the, the tackles aren't great either. Let's not, you know, let's not act like we got two stud bookends at the end here. We're not playing with too much there either. But the interior line of this offense is absolutely abysmal. Greg Van Rotten, Connor McGovern. I mean, Vera Tucker had a few plays where he just looked lost out there. And I know he's a rookie, so I'll give him a little bit of leeway. You got to give rookies a little bit of leeway. But Connor McGovern, who's a veteran, and Greg Van Rotten, who's a veteran, these are two guys who you're counting on to be pivotal pieces of this offensive line and to help your rookie quarterback get through you have vets there these two dudes are single-handedly setting Zach Wilson up for failure on almost every other snap and not only that they are so bad in the run blocking scheme of this offense it's I mean, it's it's baffling that they're still in there. It's baffling that you're not looking, at least looking, at free agents right now and trying to bring somebody in, just anyone. Give them a look. I mean, get a couple of guys in here and take a look at what they got at the center position, at the right guard position. I mean, check out a couple of tackles. Why not? This offensive line is absolutely terrible right now. You got 43 yards rushing on 13 attempts. And that is like an overstatement for how good this was. I mean, they got 13 yards from Ty Johnson at the end of the first half on a meaningless run. So 13 of those 43 yards came on one meaningless play at the end of the first half. And you look at that, and that means you actually had 30 yards rushing on 12 attempts, which is, I mean, come on, what are we doing? 
What are we doing as an offensive line that we can't run block, that we can't at least get anything going to help this quarterback out, to make something a little bit easier for the offense to call plays? I mean, you got guys dropping balls. You got an offensive line that cannot block. Today, I don't know how you blame anybody outside of the players for this performance. Because you don't even know what the plays looked like or could have been. You had certain plays that were somewhat successful. But you had people drop passes or you had people miss blocks. I mean, Michael Carter had a decent game, but he has a terrible stat line because he's getting hit in the backfield almost every time he touches the ball. Ugh. it's just, it's maddening. It's maddening to see an offense that is so anemic. And I mean, I get it's only three weeks in, so you're giving guys time and you want to see if anybody's able to develop and get themselves right and put themselves in positions, you know, that you think they can be in. But you need to start making changes and you need to start making changes right now. And I mentioned Mims earlier, and I mentioned signing guys to at least give a shot on this offensive line, even if they're just backups, even if they're just options. You got to be able to switch guys out. If you don't have people you trust on that bench, then you need to get rid of them. If you don't have people in the starting lineup right now that are giving your quarterback time, that are run blocking so that you can at least get four yards of carry, or, or at least have a couple of explosive plays running the ball. It, you have to make changes. You have to bring guys in. There needs to be a mixing of whatever's going on right now because this is not it. What is going on, the guys that are out there, the personnel are not fitting with what is trying to be played with the system that the offense is trying to run. And honestly, there's just not enough talent there in order to be successful, in order to keep Zach Wilson upright for the rest of the season, in my opinion. He got hit again nine times today and sacked five times. That just adds more to the total. He's over 30 times hit this season. He's one of the most hit quarterbacks in the NFL. And by the end of the year... I wouldn't be shocked if he's over 100 and, I mean, he's on pace for over 130 hits on the season. That's scary. That's a scary thought, especially a guy his size, his slight frame. I mean, he's young. You got to make sure you're taking care of him. And right now, it just doesn't seem like there's any urgency with fixing these issues and I mean, I know I mentioned there's a lot of inconsistency right now, but the one thing that I would say is consistent with this team is that they don't come out and play. They're not ready to play at the start of games. They're getting dogged by teams in the beginning of games. Offensively, they look completely lost when you're supposed to be coming out, and that first drive is supposed to be set up for success against that team you're playing. You literally can script out that first drive of the game. And every time they come out, and that first drive of the game has been an absolute waste. Every single time. And 
that has to that has to go on coaching. That has to go on the coaching because you can't have your players unprepared to come out and succeed from the start. You need to be able to come out and play games. You need to come out and implement your game plan. And right now, that's not happening for this team. That's not happening for this offense. And that has to go directly on the coaches. I mean, you watched throughout this game, and you just see all these these growths, these errors, these growing pains, I guess you could call them, that this coaching staff is going through. And it's three games in. You don't want to put hot seats on anybody, and nobody's on the hot seat. But... There needs to be adjustments made because right now they are overmatched. They are not well prepared for games. They're not getting guys ready to come out and play or they're not inspiring guys to come out and make plays. It's defensively, they're playing hard. They're doing their thing. And offensively, they look like a a high school team or a bunch of dudes who play Sunday football over at the park trying to go out there and compete on the NFL level. And that's just not going to cut it. I mean, and just the performance, that's not the only thing. The performance of the players, that's not the only thing. I mean, this game completely got away from the Jets after you have yourself set up for a nice little field goal. You got your rookie Amendola out there after knocking a couple through last week, setting up. And the play clock runs out. You don't get a chance to kick the field goal. That, that's just, that's a complete failure on the head coach in that situation. And Robert Sala has to know that you got to just call the time out there. I, I don't, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what your setup is. You have to make sure you have a timeout in that situation, and you're calling it. And to not do that, it set this team back where they had to punt and you lose points on a drive that was the first positive drive of the day. You get points there. Who knows where that offense goes because now the defense sees it's a one-possession game and that defense was playing with their ears perked up all day today. They had a pretty good game. I mean, the Broncos put up some points. But they didn't really, you know, do too much. It was a bend-don't-break kind of defense, and the defense is setting themselves up as that. But once that field goal does not go through, you can just tell the deflation of that team. You can just, you can just tell guys were like, oh, okay, this is going to be another week just like that. You get another week where you don't have anything going for you, where everything that can go wrong seems to go wrong, and you have guys stupid penalties, poor decision-making, and it's just another microcosm of what this season has been so far. And honestly, if things don't change very soon, what this season is going to be. And I don't want to believe that yet. I want to believe Rob Sala is going to fix this. He's going to get himself back into the uh, into the groove here. Let's try to make himself, you know, learn a few things, get maybe speak to a couple mentors, but because right now he's not making the right decisions and that needs, needs to change really quick. And he needs to figure out how he can get his guys ready to go, ready to run through a damn wall when they come out on Sundays and translate that into playing well. 
Because right now, I don't know if they're ready to go. I don't know if they're hyped to play. I just don't know. I, they come out and they look like they're lifeless. That's all I know. Overmatched and lifeless. That's what the Jets look like right now. Defensively, though, I, I mean, it is hard to complain. And that is on Rob Sala as well. And Coach Ulrich who I'm a fan of. I think he's doing a heck of a job over there. And the defense is doing good. Their bend don't break, like I said, and they're really establishing that as kind of their their nature. And that's what the Rob Solid defense has been like in the past as well. And I know it's not necessarily him calling the plays, but this is essentially his brainchild of a defense. And when you look at it, they're they're establishing that they're good in that red zone. I mean, today... You have a nice goal line stand. Uh, I mean, in the past couple of weeks, just not allowing teams to get in the end zone after taking over in bad field position, after, you know, setting themselves up with a couple of big plays because, you know, you got rookies out there who are learning the position of corner in the NFL right now. So that is going to happen from time to time. But overall, what this defense is doing is absolutely incredible. And I think that, by the end of the year, this defense is going to look about as good as you can imagine, and I hope that it doesn't go to waste. I hope that they bring back most of the guys here and get them on the team next year because that's when you're going to need them. That's when you're going to need this experience because right now you're developing a chemistry, a core, and you can't let that slip away because you have a terrible year this year, and that's the way that this year is trending and it's not on the defensive shoulder for that. So you need to make sure you keep this defensive core intact. The offense on the other end, that's the side you need to change. But, I mean, Quinn and Williams today, like, I've been criticizing him, but he's a piece of this core. And he had a day today. He showed up. He made some plays. Four tackles, sack and a half, getting in the backfield, causing some havoc, just being in the face of Bridgewater. I mean, he had a good game. He was, a, he was a stopper there, and that's what you need to see out of Quinn and Williams. He's, he can impact games like that. He's a guy who can get a sack a game. I believe that. I've seen that in him. You saw it at the college level. I know that can translate to the NFL. The way that he plays, his speed, his size, he is too talented, too good to not be this player that we saw today and he needs to keep it up but it was good to see him finally break out and have a good game even though it had to come in this type of a game his brother Quincy I gotta be honest with you this guy is really showing me something and he's earning himself a spot on this defense every single week I mean it's hard to take him off of the starting lineup right now uh <laughs> And it's hard to think of his defense without him. I mean, Quincy Williams is getting in the backfield. He's making tackles. Two tackles for loss today. Six tackles overall. And he forced a fumble in the in the red zone, I was going to say. But inside the five-yard line in a situation at the end of the game where, you know, the Broncos are trying to pound it in and up that score a little bit, feel good, pound the chest. And you have a little bit more respect for yourself you have pride, and you're not going to let that happen, and that's what you see out of Quincy Williams there. And then he gets up, and he gets hyped up. While, and as soon as he realizes 
that there's a fumble recovery happening. He jets up, starts making blocks, running alongside, trying to make something happen. That's a good player right there. That's a guy who's a team guy. That's a guy with a lot of pride. That's a guy who's out here trying to make things happen. And it's good to see that on his team, at least somewhere, because there's a lot of places where you are not seeing that extra mile gone. And Quincy Williams is a fun player to watch right now, and I'm really excited to see him grow over the course of this year at that linebacker spot next to C.J. Mosley because Mosley is looking like a superstar, like we all know he is, like the all-pro C.J. Mosley is. And Quincy Williams learning next to him, playing next to him, that's pretty fun. And I think that's a nice little tandem we might have uh, found in a hopeless place. But that's enough of the, the blowing smoke portion of this program because we do need to discuss how this defense was not really phenomenal today. I mean, you look at what they did. They gave up 121 yards on the ground with two touchdowns when that was probably the portion of the game that you could have taken away from Denver and you weren't able to find a way to do that because I, I just don't know. Your strength of your defense is your front seven and your run defense, and you're unable to stop, I mean, a good run game and maybe one that we'll look back on and say, wow, this is an incredible running game that the Denver Broncos have. But right now, you should be able to stop Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, and you're not able to. You give up 121 yards, and you let Teddy Bridgewater break away like he did a couple of times. It's just it's not... It's difficult. This isn't a great offense you're facing right now, and they're still just taking advantage of you. They're making, they're capitalizing on mistakes, and I mean, you're stopping them, you're making things happen, but I don't know how much this translates into future success. And it's a little scary to think right now of what would happen if the Jets were playing Tampa Bay this week on the road. You know what I mean? Or the Rams. Something where you're in a completely overmatched scenario and you're not going against a team with questionable players. You're going against a team with guys who are legitimately going for a Super Bowl. You're getting your ass kicked. And that's just a plain hard facts. And Teddy Bridgewater, while he didn't do anything special today, I mean, the guy was 19 of, I believe, 26. No, 19 of 25, actually. Scammed him a little there. I apologize, Teddy, for 235 yards. That's a good game, if I do say so myself. I mean, you don't get a touchdown, whatever. You're efficient. You're throwing for over 200 yards, and your team got to win. That's Teddy Bridgewater. That's Teddy Bridgewater right there for you. And the Denver Broncos will take that because they're 3-0. and And I think most teams will take that if they're 3-0. and And, I mean, the bend-don't-break defense, it really comes on the back of his secondary. And Bryce Hall didn't have the greatest game. I mean, he not really getting in on too many plays. Not doing too much to lock anyone down, but you know what? He has moments where he shows you that he's going to get better, and he is making improvements. So 
I think overall Bryce Hall is a guy that you got to keep looking at as hopefully someone who develops into a starter on this team. And I mean, not develops into a starter. He is a starter on this team, but develops into a legitimate NFL starter at the cornerback position. And I mean, you got to hope that because Bryce Hall was the only guy active from that 2020 Jets draft class today. And I know you could say Makai Becton, he's injured. You know, Braden Man, he's injured. Those are two guys that are probably part of your future plans. Denzel Mims is inactive because they don't view him as a guy who could play. Jabari Zuniga is on the practice squad. You know what I mean? These are guys who you were thinking that were going to be good players for you, and they are not a part of your team right now. And not only are they not part of your team right now, they're just completely irrelevant to what you're doing. The only guy who is here who is part of this is Bryce Hall out of the draft class from one season ago. That is absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible for Joe Douglas. And he better hope Makai Becton comes back like a bat out of hell and he's ready to go. You better hope that Denzel Mims finds his way onto the field ASAP. He better hope Thomas Morstead doesn't steal Braden Mann's punting job, and I don't think that's going to happen. But, I mean, God forbid Braden Mann goes because he's the guy in this draft class that seems to be the crown jewel when it's all said and done. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Think about that. The crown jewel of that 2020 draft class is going to be the punter. And not that that's a bad thing. You always need a good special teams, but I mean, wow. Wow. And just to think of what that class was supposed to be and what it's right now looking like it's going to be, it's it's an absolute, it's an abject failure on Joe Douglas's record if they don't turn that around. And I mean, how do you let a guy like that draft again? We'll get into that as we continue through the season. But right now, with guys not playing, with guys inactive because of whatever reason it is, whether it be injury or just ineffectiveness, <laughs> the 2020 class for the Jets has become absolutely irrelevant. And there's no other way to put it. Real quick, before I get to my three takeaways of the game, I want to just quickly say we got a update on Elijah Moore. It appears that, unfortunately, he is dealing with a concussion. So that's uh, that's going to take him out a few weeks, and hopefully, hopefully it's a speedy recovery for him and he's able to uh, get back to the team real quick because you don't want a rookie to miss too much time. You never like to see guys get concussions. And, I mean, Elijah Moore seems to be breaking out. I mean, he's not getting a ton to do, but as the weeks continue to go on, you assume that he's going to get used more and more. And to have something like this happen, where you look at it and he's probably out until after the bye week because you got two more games. You got Tennessee and then in London, you probably don't have him for either of those. Then you have the bye week and then you're back at the Patriots. That's probably his return, if not the following week. So. Hopefully it's a speedy recovery for Elijah Moore. No, uh, nothing too bad. Hopefully it's a mild concussion. Best wishes to him though, because you know I never like hearing guys getting anything going on with the uh, with head injuries, 
or concussions. That's that's one of the one of the worst things, not one of the worst things that can happen, but it's a terrible thing that can happen to you in the game of football. And it's just got to be just got to be speedy for them and come back ready to go, ready to play, and making a difference for this team. And quickly, I want to take a look at the uh, the Twitter, the the heads on Twitter hitting it up. At Zubird77, you can let me know. I'll read out the good ones on air or just anything that uh, catches my eye on there, on air here. So definitely send me your tweets at Zubird77. Uh, but Joe and Clark, Joe and Clark's got a lot of frustrations on Zach Wilson. I mean, he's got, he's saying he can't take it. I mean, Wilson makes Darnold as a rookie look like Dan Marino. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, Joe. I mean, there's definitely a lot coming into play, as I've said. Um, but you're not wrong. His decision-making is still questionable. The first interception that he threw on the pass to Corey Davis, that was not a great choice by him. I mean, he's running around, though, like a chicken without a head at certain points in this game. Last week was a lot on him. And, I mean, had the offensive line give him a little, given him a little bit of time today, we, who knows, we might have seen that same guy from last week. But I can't put too much of what happened today on him. Uh, Mark Moltisanti says, non-competitive, I understand rebuilding, but they have a responsibility to provide an entertaining product. After this, there's zero reason to plan a Sunday around watching this team. I mean, you're not wrong there, Mark. This was a terrible performance today. This is the type of performance, especially after last week, where you start, and I mean, even looking at the Carolina game outside of the two drives where they had the touchdowns, because those were the only two successful drives of that entire game. You look at this offense overall this year, and they really haven't done anything to inspire you to think that they are going to be able to compete with anyone going forward. I have serious, serious concerns about the offensive line. If they don't improve that, they're not going to be able to run the ball, and if they can't run the ball, they're just going to have people sitting back picking, picking everything Zach Wilson is throwing off. Because that's the way that it's shaping up, and it hasn't shown that that's going to change. And, I mean, when you have receivers doing what the receivers did today, yeah, I would turn the TV off, too, if I wasn't doing this myself. And uh, finally, we'll go back and we'll check out Joe and Clark, who's also, and I think this is a really interesting, uh, interesting thought right here from Joe and Clark. Wilson isn't the franchise QB. You saw last year from day one, Herbert and Burrow were both studs. Wilson, I don't think, could start for Alabama. Now, I mean, that's actually a pretty interesting question. I think, I mean, obviously he would be starting for Alabama, I would believe. With his skill set and that team, he would probably be unbelievable. <laughs> but I get your point. Um, Herbert and Burrow were two guys who came in and I mean, they took advantage of situations that weren't great, but they had good minds around them and good play callers and people that were willing to establish the run and good running backs to establish the run and a decent offensive line in both situations. I mean, I take that back. The Bengals offensive line sucks. So it's hard to say Joe Burrow had too much better of a situation, but I mean, you got to look at Zach Wilson as he's not those guys. He's a different type of quarterback. He's not 
six six standing in the pocket going to be flinging the ball all over the place. He's a shorter guy. He's moving around. He's more mobile. He throws on the run. I mean, that's what you're going to get out of Zach Wilson. He's not going to be Justin Herbert. He's not going to be Joe Burrow. So watching their success, I know it's difficult, and I find it difficult too, especially when I'm watching Joe Burrow go out there today and beat Pittsburgh on the road. I mean, I get it. Pittsburgh has injuries and whatever excuses you want to make for Pittsburgh, go ahead. But Cincinnati, they're a pretty solid offense, and you're only in year two of Joe Burrow, and he's coming off of a torn ACL, off of an injury to his knee that looked catastrophic and was pretty catastrophic. So, yeah, there is some concern there. There's definitely some concern with how Zach has started the year. I mean, we'll look at we'll look at his full performance when we get to that midway point, and hopefully he'll be able to get to that midway point because he keeps getting drilled each and every week. But, I mean, that's when we can seriously take a look at Zach Wilson and go, all right, what do we got here? What don't we have here? I think anything before that, it's kind of really a tight judgment, and we need to give the guy a little bit of time, especially with a rookie offensive coordinator, rookie head coach, and just a situation right now that seems to be almost way worse than it. I think I think the Jets' offense looks way worse than it truly is right now, and they're just snowballing in a situation where you just need something good to happen. You need some drive to end in a touchdown because you're going on, what, eight? You already got eight straight quarters without a touchdown. That's going to become a thing now. That's going to be questions. You got to be able to play up to the questions. You got to be able to play up to what is going on. And you can't let things like that pile up. You have to be able to get past it. And right now, the Jets' offense is not getting past it. The offensive line is not getting past it, and it's affecting everybody. Time for three takeaways, though, and then we get on out of here. First takeaway, this team does not come ready to play to any games, and that is completely on the coaches. So these coaches need to start figuring it out and figuring out a way to get this team set up to play from the get-go. Because otherwise... Yeah, this is what's going to happen every single week without any question. Without any question, this is what's going to happen every single week. Number two, the O-line needs a shakeup in a bad way. And I mentioned it before, but sign guys, get guys in here, put a little pressure on these dudes, make guys have to play. Make guys have to feel like they need to be better or just get better players in here overall. If these guys aren't ready to play, if they're not able to go out there and do what they need to do in order to make this offense good or at least serviceable and keep Zach Wilson off the ground, then they can't be here. And it needs to change this week. Takeaway number three, final one. And this is an important one to me, and I have been kind of getting at it all day here. Today's loss is not on Zach Wilson. Today you saw more of what Zach Wilson probably is, more of what he could be. And I think if receivers make a lot more catches, if receivers make some catches, you're looking at a guy who threw for over 200 yards, 
Maybe you got a touchdown drive in there. Probably a lot more points. I mean, you're still probably ending up with a loss, but it's not looking as bad as it did today. And with that being said, I don't believe there's much else to say. So I will remind you one more time that wherever you are listening to the Time to Jets podcast, please hook it up with a subscribe, with a five-star rating. I always appreciate that, whether that be Apple, Spotify, or Amazon. It's all the same. It's all love to me, and I appreciate you guys. Remember to hit me up on that Twitter machine, at Zubeard77. I reply to all tweets. I always take a look over there at you guys. I appreciate the love. Appreciate you all getting at me. One last time, Jets take that out to the Broncos 26 zip. Hopefully, hopefully there's some changes that will happen with this team over the next couple of days. And when I talk to you on Wednesday, I hope to be in a much, much better mood than I am in today. But now I must bid you adieu as it is time for me to jet myself. Peace!